there's a challenge with the way that we've been raised to think about consciousness. It's mostly because no one even told us what it means. And we kind of found out about it. The reality that it isn't taught in a conscious and caring way in school and by our family is one of the challenges I feel with our evolution as a species. To have to just discover something called consciousness, which is the way that we are in relationship with everything that is here and everything that is not physically here. It's, it feels sorrowing to me. I grieve that we're not taught to operate this thing called consciousness. Now, before I dive in, I'm inviting you just to think about right now the first time you remember hearing about it as a thing at all. If you were in meditation groups, you may have heard the word. In spiritual circles, it may have been called something else. You may have been taught that mind is consciousness or collapsed those two over time. Can you imagine the moment when you first heard about it or came into any awareness at all that you had some form of agency with collaborating with your consciousness, that you weren't just stuck with what you came in with, but actually could curate and shape and facilitate aspects of how consciousness informs your identity. The work of exploring identity is open to all. It's just that if we haven't been in conversation circles or creative processes where that's what we're doing, specifically exploring consciousness, then we may be challenged to discover the way to do it. Sometimes it begins with someone asking themselves, who am I? How did I get here? And what is this place? What is creator? What is creation? And ultimately, what is the story that I'm telling? And do I have any authorship at all in this story? And of course we do have tons of authorship in this story. But if we haven't gained the tools for how to access it, then our capacity to shift the story is limited by the tools we have available. Operating the tools of being human has been a devotion of mine. I can remember the first time I'm conscious of consciousness and it's an image it's an image of Sue Hoya Sellers creation it's a 
image where she describes this human face with this material flowing from it and it's called streams of consciousness now that's the first time I remember sort of coming in and coming on that said growing up my mother had two rules the first one was stay conscious and the second one was be be where you say you're going to be when you say you're going to be there She figured those two rules pretty much covered everything, and she was right. So in different situations, I would remind myself to stay conscious and make other choices than other people were making in similar spaces. So I was raised with an awareness that there's something called this. And when my parents would see people doing strange things out in the world, racism and sexism and capitalism and all different forms of isms, they would say, what unconscious behavior. And so I learned about unconscious behavior also from my parents. So we didn't think about consciousness in the way, is someone conscious, like, because they passed out. Although that's one way of thinking of is someone conscious. But we kind of went around making some judgment calls, honestly, about who was and who wasn't conscious. And the people who were conscious in general weren't racist, sexist, or greedy. They weren't cruel. They weren't too full of themselves and ego. They were at a level of awareness that was inclusive, and they had some information about what was going on in the village and in the world and in the news, and they were conscious of power structures. And so growing up in this environment created an early fascination with me about what I was capable of as a human. We moved a lot when I was growing up, and so... One of the things my mom did, which seems really strange now, but maybe not, we would go to new schools and I think she would distract me from the pain of the loss of where I was before by trying to excite me with where I was going next. And she gave me the opportunity to reinvent myself at each new school if I wanted. This would include the possibility of actually changing my name and changing the way that I dressed and the story I told. Of course, she didn't encourage me to lie, but she gave me frameworks where I could shift my story because people would always ask, where did you come from? And so I got to play a lot in these different identities and different names. And ultimately, through that exploration of identity, arrive at who I thought I was. But I hung out with myself. I wrote poetry. I drew. I painted. I was in deep conversation. I was self-expressed. In my early 20s, I went to a movie with Suhoi Sellers called Warrior Marks. 
created by the award-winning filmmaker Pratiba Parmar and Alice Walker, the author and activist. Now, my family had already been in a relationship with Alice Walker because she was our neighbor in Anderson Valley. And we went to the premiere and met her there. It's hard to explain the impact that this movie had on me, except to say that the starkness of the treatment of girls in places where FGM is practiced and the stories that were told around it and the taboos that were created around it and the lies that were created around it and the structures and the cultures that were created around it. It was like pop, pop, pop of my consciousness and I came in to a new level of access through being with how I felt about the suffering. Now, I had a personal story about it because before I left San Francisco and moved to the mountain with Sue, I had a boyfriend who was educated in the United States but was who was from Africa. And right before I'd moved, I had gone to a wedding with him and I was so struck by the bride, the most beautiful eyes and the darkest skin against an American white wedding dress that looked so out of place. She walked very slowly. She kept her eyes down She took small steps and there was literally no engagement between her and her now husband. Other women who were around were dressed differently and modern. And I noticed that they didn't reach out to her and welcome her. I also noticed that they stayed very separate and the men seemed to be having a blast and the women seemed to be off to the side, laughing their own way, but mostly observing the room. There was no one standing with the bride. I didn't know what to do, so I walked over to her and I congratulated her and made brief eye contact but I knew something was wrong. So wrong. So wrong. It was a pivotal pivotal moment in my life. Once I saw the movie, things felt different for me. I didn't know if this very young woman had experienced FGM, but I did some searching based on where she was from and it was highly likely But when I asked my boyfriend of the time about it, he would say, it's just culture, you don't understand. Pretty sure I fell out of love with him in that moment. I said to him, something's wrong, something's wrong. You asked too many questions. Why weren't any of the women with her? It's just how it is, she's new, she'll adjust. 
Why didn't she have any connection with her husband? And so on. I was 23. I believed in falling in love. And to watch warrior marks was the information I needed to understand, not understand, but be more aware of what the young woman was experiencing. And again, I have no idea if that's what she experienced, but I also know from my friend, Dr. Lisa Rankin, who has worked with women who have their, I'll just say, the surgery undone so that they can make love if you call it that on your wedding night that you would be in recovery and pain all of this together is devastating to me some would say we have no business in other people's cultures but being raised with activists I think all of us have a duty to become conscious enough to know how to intelligently interfere where there is a human rights violation. There's debate whether you think that FGM is a human rights violation. It's a custom, it's a culture, but what is it rooted in? If we go further back, what is it actually rooted in? course I have my answers and they are answers I'm not vague about what it's rooted in I'm not going to get into that today but coming into consciousness sometimes requires facing the suffering of yourself but also of others of being willing to look at what's going on in the world And to be with it without turning away. If you've studied at all with me in intentional creativity, you know that one of the things that I say is that I would like our students to become resilient enough to not have to turn from suffering. To be able to lean into it enough such that you would desire that all beings be well and happy from the deepest place within your heart. But to really have that prayer that all beings be well and all beings be happy and all beings have food and water and shelter, it takes a kind of a waking up, a waking up to compassion and to inhabiting the place we call consciousness. In our work, we work with the language of the consciousness vocabulary We move things around. We largely don't use the word subconscious. We use interconsciousness because as creatives, we believe we have quite a bit of access actually to the places that are usually relegated to subconsciousness. That imagination is here for the experiencing. That we can co-curate with consciousness and that we're not just subject to how we ended up or the paradigm or culture or traditions of our family or our ancestors that we get to choose how to engage. If someone chooses to engage in their own consciousness over time, 
because it does take time. There are mystical awakenings, there are gestalts, there are places where we go, whoa, I see what's happening here. But it does take time because we need to rewire the brain and the way that our sensuality responds to our our environment and learn to trust ourselves in new ways that things are not as they appear. And we don't quite know what they are, but we know it's not as it's been taught to us. And it's scary sometimes. You don't know where to go or who to hang out with or how to engage in the conversation. You don't want to go around questioning everyone and everything especially in religious or deeply spiritually specific traditions where it is the way it is and there is no other isness. Coming into higher levels, I'm not going to say higher, I'll say deeper, deeper, more multifaceted levels of awareness allows you to start looking around from within yourself and assessing what is and isn't reality as you knew it, and to make some new decisions. Becoming aware of suffering was absolutely integral to my coming into my identity. Being willing to lean in and listen and be with it is part of what created a level of compassion that I live with. And that has informed the way I work in the world and the way I walk in the world and the way I shape the projects and businesses that I work on and the stories I tell and the paintings I create. It's all come from this deep dive into as much awareness as I can access at any given moment. And I define awake as as awake as you can be at any given moment. As awake as your soul is ready to show you at any given moment. And as awake as you can be without short-circuiting yourself or, as it were, blowing your own mind. Because that happens too. Too much gets open too soon. It's one of the reasons I work with self-expression as the pathway to awakening because it's not just a mental construct. It's not a concept. It's actually imagination being expressed in form through paint, through word, through dance, through clay, through bead, through garden, through food, through song, through this message right here is an expression of my consciousness. But it's while I'm thinking about you and your family and your pets and your water system and your watershed and the trees that grow around your home. It's while I think about you and whether you have the resources you need to feed and clothe yourself and your family. Whether you have the resources you need to pay your rent this month whether you're in a job that you hate, whether you have access to the education that you seek, whether anyone has ever said these words to you before from someone you may or may not even know, but I'm thinking of you. 
And when I think of you, tears come to my eyes. Because I know that there's a lot of struggle going on. I know there's a lot of pain and unresolved trauma. And I also am here with the message of hope in the midst of all that. And the hope is in consciousness that you get to shape and curate your relationship with you. Creativity is the way I teach that. but Many people teach it many different ways. But today, maybe you could take a walk. You could listen for the voice of the trees. Today, maybe you could look into the face of a flower that's blooming and pretend you can see all the way down until the particle becomes wave. Today, maybe you could pick up a pen and a paper and just move the pen as you listen to your own voice speaking. In our community, there are thousands of people on any given day doing just exactly what I shared with you now. So in that way, you aren't alone. There's a whole kin clan of eccentrics at Musea holding space with you for you in the quantum way. And so today, I send you my love. Today, my prayers and my thoughts are with you. Today, I made this message just for you.